Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome back to the show. Welcome to the Monday afternoon version of Action Movie Anatomy. We're here to talk about X-Men First Class, some people's favorite movie in the entire franchise. It's definitely better than Dark Phoenix. We'll see you guys in just one quick second. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Action Movie Anatomy. Boom, there we go. Yes. Boomed. You're excited. I'm so excited. <laughs> You're hyped. I'm I'm more hyped than man. Yes. And you in the chat and the people watching and listening, you're like, what's going on? Where's Andrew? What happened? I turned him into a pineapple. Andrew's turned that that is Guy the Pineapple. It is. It actually is Guy the Pineapple. Yeah, yeah that's his name. In a crazy Unrelated. <laughs> in a crazy turn of events. Weird. Uh, <laughs> uh, what's up everybody? Welcome back. It's Action Movie Anatomy here on a Monday afternoon at our brand new time. We are talking X-Men first class today. Uh, we talk action movies on this show, and we're gonna talk about all sorts of fun things, but I have a special guest on the other side of the table with me today. His name is Alex Kessler. <sighs> hey guys, how's what's it up? going? It's going this is on. my fourth time on the Action Movie Anatomy show. Well, we had you on for Guardians One, Star Warsy things. One of the Star Wars movies for sure. Uh, I think for also that movie... We did, me and Andrew did, like, the shark movie, right? We did the Meg when you were not here once. Did you come on with Andrew and do the Meg without me? Yeah. That happened? Yeah, yeah. Where does the time go? And then you also that came was... in for the Italian job. So this is your fifth time Fifth on. time. Maybe wow. I didn't do a Star Wars one? You did. I think you were on for... Yeah, M- yeah. M- Star Wars or Empire. We've done both, I think. Okay. Cool. I think Number so. Number five. We've done almost 200 episodes of this show. Wow. The funny thing is, so guys, uh, listening or watching, this is the Popcorn Talk Network, the online broadcast network dedicated to talking movies, all things movie-related and pop culture by the bucketful. We've been doing this show on this network for four years. Uh, in July, it'll be 200 episodes. And Alex and I do a podcast about Magic the Gathering called The Masters of Modern. We've been doing that show for about four and a half years. Yeah, we're, we're just ahead. <laughs> and the funny part is those are the two shows that I started that got me into broadcasting. I sure. didn't start that show. You started it, but they were the ones that got me into broadcasting and uh, I've learned a lot about broadcasting and carpets and interviews through those shows over the last four and a half years. But in both cases, I can't believe they're both still going. Yeah. It's crazy. Well, there have been a few times, I think, probably for, I, mean, I can't speak for Action Movie Anatomy, but for our podcast that we would phase in and phase out of, like... Consistency. Consistency, or like, oh, maybe we've now gone to a point where we should slow down, and then we always, like, just go back and double down and on it. And find a way. Figure it out. Uh, we're the exact same way on this show. Okay. <laughs> the, the exact same thing has happened. Uh, and then every time it seems like it's going to slow down, there's another swell of energy, yeah. and we expand it to something else cool, and that's what happens. So Supported by fans like you. That's, I mean, that's true. That's, that's true. And it's a big shout-out to brand-new patrons in the Action Army. I got Dwayne, Joseph Burke, and Joe Harrison. We're going to give you a salute. We salute you. Andrew is saluting you from where he is. Uh, Andrew is a, a Clash caster uh, for the game Clash Royale, which sure. uh, is a sweet game that we actually all play. Yeah. Uh, we're all in a clan together. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm ranked higher than both of you. Uh, not anymore with him. Or maybe, maybe because he has, like, the two... He has two accounts, so the CRL Drew one. The one that, yeah, he's Drewables and CRL. Yeah, yeah. He's got the... I've been playing a lot longer. I maxed out Electro Wizard today. <laughs> nice. Are you yeah, proud of yourself? Level 13, pretty right. proud. There's actually a lot of people that in the in the chat that also play that game. Um, a lot of the, uh, the the action industries folks. But uh, big shout out to new patrons. We are going to talk about X Men First Class today uh, with the release of X Men Dark Phoenix, the last film in the Fox run of X Men movies. We decided to take it back to the middle point in the whole. You got the one. There's one left. Yeah, New Mutants. Yeah, the yeah, forgotten ish. movie. It's like not- there's a cool theory out there that that's actually going to lead the X Men into the MCU. Because they moved it to the like the now coveted February slot of like so, where Black Panther and uh, Captain Marvel were released. So Marvel was actually just like, guys, the movie that you made, we're just never going to release it. We're making a new one secretly. Yeah, that's going to lead us. Or in. they just like re-edited it, and it yeah. was like good enough that they're like, oh, we can like make yeah. this. I've, like that movie has. I mean, everybody you listen to like you listen to like uh, what's her name uh, Arya Stark talk about it in interviews. And she just has no idea. Yeah, when I well, was supposed to, to come out like two, three years ago, right? I, I interviewed Anya Taylor Joy last summer for Glass for the promotion for that movie, and she was like excited, but like just seemingly there was this like emptiness of the answers. I'm just like, right. nobody has any <laughs> idea what's happening. <laughs> like, um, but uh, but anyway, guys. So this is this is the movie we're covering today. There's a lot to talk about coming up today on the show. We are going to be talking about buying or selling on the X Men in the MCU. We are going to be talking about young X Men versus old X Men. Which of the two eras do we like better? We're going to be comparing actors and actresses. Spoiler: Fast Bender takes the cake. Um, and 
Yeah, there you go. I like that. Yeah, there's some good ones. He's that's the hardest comparison for sure. Easy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the one we're going to debate. So, um, but that's coming up on the show today, guys. Otherwise, I think we probably will just kind of get into the rules of action movie and anime. We cover action movies on the show. Rule number one: the hero always plays by their own rules. Who's the hero of this movie? Of uh, first class. Yeah. Uh, it's Xavier, right? I mean. And he does play by his own rules. It's like, I think you have to sort of say that the hero of the movie, like this often It's an happens. ensemble cast. It's an ensemble, but often you have the dual hero. So like the buddy cop movie will be sure. like you get both halves of the hero. And I think it's pretty fair to say that Charles and Eric are the heroes. And they both play by their own rules. In fact, Magneto plays by his own rules against Xavier's rules, who then right. also, Xavier, establishes his own rule. There's a lot of rules making yes. and breaking in this movie. Yes. Magneto was right, says Alex Frost in the chat. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) Uh, The the old Thanos? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, Rule number two, the hero and the villain are always the smartest people, beings, things, dinosaurs, what have you in the room. Again, I think if you were saying that they were the hero and the villain, that's true. Shaw is the smartest guy in the room in some ways because he's able to, like, be smarter than the X-Men. And, like... Well, he's smarter than both Russia and the United States, the two largest world powers at that point, right? Like, he caused the the Cuban Missile Crisis. (laughs) And he has a smart hat. He's got a, yeah, pretty smart hat. Yeah. Uh, and then obviously Xavier's like main power is he's the smartest person in the room. Right, right. Except I, I like in this movie, and I had forgotten about this, that Hank is actually, or wait, yeah, Hank is actually smarter than Xavier. Like, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. You forget sometimes, like you do remember in the cartoon that like the Beast, you know, he would always be super duper smart. Right, he'd be like working on computers, but also yeah. hanging on the ceiling. But, like, it's it's nice that he is, like, he's not necessarily more powerful, but he is smarter. He's, like, a super genius. Yeah, he's he's a smarter human. Right. Xavier is a more powerful brain mutant. I remember, like, um, I remember reading in the late 90s this comic book run called Heroes Reborn. And it was, like, uh, it was the transition when Marvel was going bankrupt. And they, like, combined with all these artists and writers from Image Comics mm-hmm. just before Marvel, like, kind of relaunched. Um, but there was this one run where they go against, like, a villain called Onslaught. And yeah, Onslaught's, like, a, Onslaught's he's uh, come back or something. Yeah, I, I believe he is the main character of the show Legion. Okay, yeah. So Onslaught, but so if I'm not, and as long, yeah, continue talking about it though. And so, uh, but I remember there's like the, in like the you know the twelfth issue, the second to last issue, there's like this meeting of the minds, and it's like the Marvel characters all like sitting around a table, like you know the smartest minds in Marvel, and it's like Reed Richards, Tony Stark. Uh, oh, I'm wrong. Sorry, no. that's like a weird combination clone of like Proteus. Is it anything? It's like it's it's Charles Xavier, but he's been given well because Xavier is onslaught. It's I think is what the story was. I it's, can't. it's a it's it's Magneto and Xavier are smushed into one person. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's it's onslaught. Uh, uh, Legion is the son of Charles Xavier. Yeah, who's yeah, a different yeah. name. But like I think it's like it's like Reed Richards. I think it's I think it's uh, Hank McCoy, mm-hmm. and I think and then Tony Stark. And I think Bruce Banner. I think like the four of them are sitting around a table because they're like the smartest people alive. And you're like sweet. Well, there's guys. the there's the Illuminati writing comics, which is like uh, Black Panther, uh, Doctor Strange, uh, Mister Fantastic, and Iron Man. And I think sometimes Professor Xavier joins them, and sometimes doesn't. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I don't know about that. But uh, anyway, he's super duper smart. Rule number three: the movie is driven by a police, military, political, or mercenary figure. Um, nah, it's not. Not really. I mean, I mean, X-Men are like a... They're kind of mercenary. They're kind of government. They're kind of political. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a group that you can establish that way. They they are armed humans that go into places of conflict in an organized way to stop things. Rule number four, the movie contains a minimum of one explosion. Uh, there's lots of explosions in this movie. And yeah. Sebastian Shaw, like, <laughs> like squashing them into balls yeah, yeah, of yeah. fire. Uh, yeah, lots of things explode. So uh, those are those are what we're gonna be talking about today on the show, guys. Uh, a couple quick shout outs before we get into the the big you know the meat of the show, the main part of the show. Uh, we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash team action. You guys can go check that out. There's a ton of exclusive content. Uh, Drew and I are actually doing exclusive streams now. So uh, as well as this show and the, the collider show, the action guys we do. Action Industry is a YouTube channel. It's growing really rapidly, and we're doing a stream on Mondays, a stream on Wednesdays, and a stream on Thursdays. We do a paired one, then solo streams. But uh, you guys have been awesome. We've had a ton of you in the chat every time. So go check that out, Action Industries YouTube, and then all of the places you can find us on social, at Team Action Show, um, and Action Industries everywhere else. So you can find me personally at Ben Bateman Media. Where can they find you, Mr. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and anywhere else at, at Kess Wiley, uh, K-E-S-S-W-Y-L-I-E. You can also um, check us out on the podcast that we have together. And also, we have new toys coming out so i own a toy company we make yeah. outdoor spring summer toys and collectibles you can buy these guys these are called lovems they're at uh, walmart's right now 
They're squishy and soft. You can like squeeze them and they grow out. And then also there's a pineapple with sunglasses named Guy. Yeah. No, they're great. They're they're it's not they feel great. They're uh, they're available now. So get them while they're hot. Available now at a Walmart near you. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, let's talk about X-Men. Sure. Uh, the first thing we do on the show is called Thesis Statement. It's your biggest, boldest thought about the film. Something that really speaks to you that is like, oh man, this is, this is, my, this is the point that I would make at a party about X-Men First Class that I'd leave the party because it's the only point. Just mic drop, walk in and yeah. walk out. The best, the first, the last, the only, stuff like that. Uh, and you're the guest, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you go first with this one. Uh, Matthew Vaughn is the best X-Men director. You like him more than the singer? You yeah. like him more than uh, well, yeah, James easy. Mangold? The, the only one I think is close is, I think James Mangold has directed Logan. Yeah, yeah, Matthew Vaughn over James Mangold. I mean, it's close. Like that—that that is definitely the closest one. But well, because because Matthew Vaughn d- properly directs X Men movies, but James Mangold directed two Wolverine movies, one of which was not very good, and the other one was like the not best an X Men movie, right? Exactly. It's just like a, it has like these little tiny elements of X Men ish stuff in it, but it's really just like a western with some superpowers, right? Like of all of the X Men movies, the two that feel the m- the two best ones, the best one is Logan. Logan is the best movie. And yeah. then, like, you have different variations of what those movies are. But right. the ones that feel the most like the actual core X-Men comics are probably X2 and this. And Days of Future Past feels, like, pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and But Matthew Vaughn did this and then wrote the entire script for Days of Future Past, wanting it to be the third movie in his trilogy. Right. But, it was supposed to originally be... Yeah, so he, he wanted to do X-Men 1, then do Apocalypse as the second one, and then have the third ending of the trailer bring all the old characters back in a Days of Future Past thing, and Fox was just like, oh no, do that one. And yeah. he was like, no. And he's like, like, sounds and like then, Fox doing X-Men. And then uh, he was like, well, here's the script, I guess. Yeah. I'm going to go make uh, the Secret Service movies. or um, Kingsman. Kingsman, too. Yeah. Which are pretty good. Yeah. They're pretty good movies. First um, one's good, second one is medium. Interesting. Um, that's fascinating. So I think my thesis statement is, I think my thesis statement is that we never needed more than this one version of these characters in a movie. Because I don't actually think Days of Future, like, it's, Days of Future Past is fine. I'm happy we have it. Mm -hmm. I'm not happy we have a Phoenix, or or Dark Phoenix, or Apocalypse. They're both pretty useless. Uh... And I wonder if Days of Future Past didn't exist, if I would care very much. I like, I don't like well, yeah. Last Stand very much, but ultimately, what I like what what I like about Days of Future Past and the reason I think you needed Days of Future Past is it kind of like after Days of Future Past, I felt apologized to for the mess that was Last Stand and the mess right. that was X Men Wolverine Origins, and those were at that point the only two strictly bad ones. Right. And then if Days of Future Past happened and then Logan happened and Logan ended the franchise and those two kind of were the end of the franchise with Deadpool doing its own thing, I would have walked away from the Fox X-Men franchise with just like this could be the like highest average superhero movie franchise. But then they just Pumped right. out of bad ones, a bunch of them. A couple bad ones, yeah. yeah. I, mean, I just think, like, when I say that it's the only one that we needed, I just think this movie stands pretty well on its own. It's a good origin story. It's cool that they bring in the younger versions in Days of Future Past, don't get me wrong. Like, I enjoy that movie. Sure. older version, yeah. Or, yeah, whatever. <laughs> but it also just doesn't totally feel like... Like, I just didn't need a big continuation of the Fox X-Men run. I would have been happier if that point, instead of doing Days of Future Past with the Fox X-Men characters, we had just had them inverted into the MCU at that point. Just end it. You gave me that sure. story, and now I just get the now like what I think. I think that's what Days of Future Past and Logan could have done. Like yeah. if, if Days of Future Past and Logan ended the franchise, and then then I don't think people would be like, oh, they need to wait ten years before they bring it into the MCU because I'm sick of X Men. We'd yeah. just be like, it'd be like just be like, oh great, the X Men are no longer that story of the X Men is done. They finished it on terms that are their own and great, right? Um, but I, I don't think you're wrong that like. They should have stopped a long time ago. <laughs> uh, Garth McMurray says, get your own gynapple. Is that gynapple? Was that a thing you guys already have come up with? No, no, no. That's pretty clever. Yeah, yeah. Gynapple. Yeah. Yeah. Gynapple. Available now at Walmart's near you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that's going to be my thesis statement, guys. Share yours in the chat here if you have your own thoughts about uh, you know this movie and, and what are the biggest, strongest points about it. We've got some great people in the chat here. Uh, let's see here. Alex Frost. This is the X-Men movie that makes the most sense. All the other ones have time travel or continuity issues or are just bad. That's fair. Um, I, so I don't care about time travel and continuity or whatever. In superhero movies? Cause well, like, it, uh, uh, what was the looper? Did a good good kind of just, like, breakdown of, like, don't, like, stop. Right. Don't, like, get... When you get, like, locked in the, the minutiae of time travel and right. where it doesn't make sense, you, like, are just not going to enjoy the story that this 
well, it helps it, you accomplish. This just in, guys. Time travel's not real. So <laughs> trying to explain it with science is a, is a tough, that's a tough ask. Well, like, and people are, like, trying to make sense of Endgame's time travel and that, right. like, I'm just like, mostly it makes sense. The small things, like, just, like, they kind of say, like, time fixes itself. And then it figures it out. Not even the director and writers, like, agree. Trying to come up with ways to mathematically or scientifically explain absurd things doesn't work unless it's a guy filling a pool with jello and belly flopping into it which is a video you shared on facebook yeah. that i watched intently this morning yeah yeah it's great <laughs> i couldn't stop watching it he, they like they it's this, these guys who like try and do stuff but they like think the science out through and they literally built a pool and filled it with jello it's unreal and I, they like, slow-mo throw like kids into it and it's great it's i like they like really I mean, it's an op- such a non sequitur, but it's an operation. Well, just because like stuff like that, like if you said I'm going to belly flop in a pool of Jello, like I mean, it's not quite as extreme as time travel. But the do it <laughs> takes a lot of work. Like they had to like they oh. had they had to pick a time of year in a location of the country that it is warm enough during the day that Jello doesn't like. That that it like it makes it so that nighttime it's as cold as exactly a refrigerator. Right. And then they had to boil in bins separately and then put the gel. It was yeah. You should watch it. Well, I don't know where to link stuff. I'm not. I don't have power here. Uh, <laughs> Vojislav Madik, uh, I think that's the way to say your name. Drew said it last night on the stream. Uh, says this is the X Men movie that should have been in the MCU. Now that's a really smart point because yes. it's. How sweet would it have been if they had made this movie instead of 2011 and 2018? And then Fox was like, all right. Buy the movie, and they were like, "We're just going to take these characters, and then they're just going to go into the MCU, right. and this is where the X Men started. And now we get to use all these sweet actors and actresses and their great roles. And Jean Grey is never played by Sophie Turner, and because <laughs> uh, it's like, it's just sucks that it's like he, X1 I don't, is I don't cool. think Jean Grey Sophie Turner is the flaw of the most recent movie. I, I just, think there are huge flaws. I don't know. Some of it is casting from Apocalypse for sure. Yeah, like that has carried over into this. I mean, I don't want to spend too much time on that one because it's that movie's just pretty forgettable. Sure, after. I have my I have my fist. For a second, I thought we were doing that one for this, so I picked okay. my fist bump moment. It's what? when Magneto crushes the train. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, the yeah. only good moment in the movie. <laughs> All his moments are like the good yeah. moments. Ma- like movie. that's and this is true of this movie. Like Michael Fassbender as Magneto is just outperforming everyone around him, and is just like the thing that I was saddest walking out of Dark Phoenix is that. Because I remember walking out of this movie and saying the movie that we need is a Magneto Nazi hunter movie. I would watch six hours of that. <laughs> yeah, well, him, that scene is the best scene. I mean, let's let's get to because that's the yeah, next yeah, part yeah, of the show. Yeah. So fist bump moment is the part of the show, guys, where something happens. You kind of look around. You're like, are you seeing this right now? This is the coolest thing I've ever seen. I'm so hyped. I get to watch this movie. You want to call your buddy and literally tell him, like, him or her, uh, this is just the best thing. I, this is why this movie's great. Mm-hmm. And uh, I didn't remember this movie being that good. Like, I... I watched this movie not in 2011. I probably watched this movie in like 2013, 14. Okay. And because I remember X-Men First Class as a storyline, I'm pretty sure. I think I read the comic books maybe. Uh, in fact. Well, it's like the – have you read the original, original X-Men comics comics? Like from way back. The, yeah. Like the ones that – yeah, I read those. But I there was a storyline I think called X-Men First Class. Uh, like okay. a comic book published by Marvel in the mid-2000s. Sure. And – this could be totally wrong, and if somebody in the chat knows what I'm talking about, then this is crazy. Mm-hmm. But like, this morning, I looked up the trailer for this movie because I remembered some scene of like a character running, and there being oh no, that's an X Men Origins Wolverine. Never mind, moving on from that point. Well, so so the, the comic I have read is there's a prequel comic of like that they show like it's meant to be the first time Xavier tried having a class of students, and it was before the original five, and it's like also a prequel to like when his back gets broken. So this right. comic exists. I've read this, and it has Scott Summers brother that's like a secret like they don't know he exists and right. he's like a bad guy who gets thrown into space and he comes back and the, the comic book is him coming back and then telling everyone what happened and right. he's like a villain uh it's scott summer's older brother and alex and scott's older brother right. the third summer brother the uh the the in this movie he's what's his name the guy who's like can adapt to any environment oh yeah yeah, yeah. the uh the guy who actually shows back up in Dark Phoenix. No, he doesn't show up in Dark Phoenix. I was just wrong. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. He looks a lot like him. He looks a lot like him. I thought it was him, but it's Darwin. Ended, yeah, Darwin, who... So he's one of those original cast members, and then a few other ones, and then they all die, other Got than it. Darwin, who comes back, and so it's Darwin and... Which, for the record, I think my biggest complaint for this movie is that the one character they kill off is the one character who's supposed to not be able to die. Yeah, right. Um, I, I just remembered this shot of, like, a character running, like, on the ceiling and, like, somebody with, like, a Cyclops vision shooting at him. And I think that's actually just a shot from That's Wolverine. X2, isn't it? No, I think it's from Origins. I thought maybe it was a comic book. I'm all over the place here, guys. I want to kind of well, stay Well, Cyclops back. isn't in Origins. 
I think it's not actually Cyclops. I think it's a character like him that has like the okay. laser eyes. Well, because like one and two that happens, but like because Cyclops fights uh, Toad in the first one, that could have been it. Or... It's a specific shot, and I actually like the, what I was getting confused about was I think it might actually just be a frame from the comic book that I'm thinking of, uh, okay. like our cover that I had seen a lot of times or something. It's it's all blending sure. together here, but fist bump uh, moment. Fist bump moment is the moment that something awesome happens. You get hyped about it, and this movie definitely. Yeah, a lot of people here are throwing in the one that I'm going to use. I'm just going to jump in first. Oh, you're going to steal mine, aren't you? Well, it's, I think it's. <laughs> It, sometimes it's, sometimes this happens in these movies yeah. where if you watch the movie it's hard to not just this pump moment specifically is the most awesome moment right. and like there are some movies like Infinity War where there's 50 sure. and there are some movies where it's just obvious the coolest part of the movie right in Collateral it's when Tom Cruise kills the guy in the alley it's like not even close it's the coolest thing he's ever done in that movie sure in this movie it's Magneto in the bar yeah it's Magneto how is it not Hunter. Magneto in the right. bar like yeah. He like sits there and he and he like speaks German and they're drinking the beer and the guy's like with his eyes looking at him. You're like, oh, it's gonna get so yep. real right just, now. Like, the, the dagger thrown then brings it back and then stabs the guy in the hand. Like yeah. all of it's so he good. He goes through the hand <laughs> physically, but then he pulls it out and like across the room quickly into the gut and yep. then back through the hand. I like that. That's I walked out of the movie and the main thing I said was all I want is a Magneto Nazi hunter movie. Yeah. and like we didn't get it. This movie kind of showed that we should have gotten it too. The most recent one where it's like he's. So much better than everyone else that if they just, instead of making Dark Phoenix, just made a Magneto movie, we would have all loved it. It's tough, though, because those spinoff movies have to be handled so well. It's a, it's a great concept when a supporting character or, like, a secondary lead is the best part of a movie. But then, like, when you make X-Men Origins Wolverine and you don't do it the right way, it doesn't matter that Hugh Jackman was the best part of the first franchise. He's just It's just a bad movie. Well, but if you do, but then you do Logan and you do it correctly. I think, I think like, something the Marvel Cinematic Universe has shown is that... It, like the one of the biggest flaws of this movie, more than anything, of Dark Phoenix and even really Apocalypse, is I don't give. Can I swear on the show? Sure. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> That's a one fuck for the day. You just said uh, two. Damn it. <laughs> uh, not a PG thirteen movie anymore. Uh, so is the fact that I don't care about any of them. Right. And like, if I had had a Magneto movie and a Jean Grey movie and a Nightcrawler movie. Uh, separately on their own, and then they come back together for these bigger X-Men movies, then you're going to just care that much more about each of the characters. There's no way to establish Captain America or Iron Man in a way that's interesting in Endgame without going through all of the effort that you do, and then the, you care so much more at the end of that they, movie about they them. They called it X-Men Origins because there was going to be multiples. Right. That was the original point. That movie just sucked so much that they decided not to do it. Um, yeah, it was supposed to be that first class in uh, a Magneto movie, where the right. original three announced, and then Magneto never happened, and then eventually first class happened because they wanted to reboot the franchise. And So, yeah, it's, it's, it's actually really interesting if you, if you go back to like when this franchise was riding high before kind of where we are now... And but long before the merger was ever being talked right. about, or the MCU had like totally dominated the space, the X Men movies existed in a time before the MCU became the gold standard. Like X Men One is the reason that comic book movies in our era exist. Right. Well, uh, Kevin Feige was a producer on most of those early X Men movies, the, the, and like he definitely took the lessons he learned there. And the applied hair it. tips for Wolverine are him. He, yeah, like, yeah. He talks about it in that interview. Like he literally looked over and he's like, "Nah, his hair's not pointy enough. You have to make it pointier. To make it look like the comic books." <laughs> Um, so, so yeah, I just, I think we're all in kind of agreement that the, that the bar scene, um, anybody else have any fist pump moments that you want to share here? I'm going to go through and then share, um, let's see here. Uh, Jarvie said, Richard Eric Jarvie, Magneto in every scene is the fist pump. Yes, I agree. Garth McMurray loves your idea for the Nazi hunter movie. Um, yes, the bar scene. And how about lifting the submarine out of the water? It's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's the submarine. Um, uh, Magneto, Magneto stopping all of the missiles yeah. and then like turning them back on the humans is like such a good turning point moment for the movie because it really just like not only represents him changing sides but also physically. Right. <laughs> uh, James Spence. Uh, James Spence just had listed one I thought I just saw here. Maybe not. Uh, oh, Darwin's death is honestly perfection, says James Spence. Yeah, it's a good death. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty cool. Well, um, it, it's a turning cut point for the movie, right? At that point, it was a lot of fun and games, and everyone's going to be safe. Right, and then right. they're like, nope. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about this cast, some of these younger X-Men. Oh, AJ Lancaster moved the coin. Yeah. I mean, the, definitely, like, it's pretty brutal when he's, that opening scene, uh, not opening, but when he's when they bring his mom in. Yeah, yeah. That well, seems, that's from, that was like a continuation from X-Men 1, from right? X-Men. The opening of superhero movies in general. Well, right, so the, the fence moving is, like, from that movie. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's the opening scene that we all remember. Um, but I'm saying when he gets brought into the office and he's like, move yeah, the yeah. corner, I'm going to shoot your mom, is like... Your eyes widen, and she's looking at him, and she's the thing, the thing where it's like it's okay, and you're like, oh my god, he's gonna be, they're gonna yeah, destroy yeah. the world now. You're, <laughs> you're creating <laughs> you, you, a monster. Yeah. I mean, 
I mean, going to that, it is fascinating that all of superhero movies was started by Magneto destroying a fence in the Nazi concentration camp. Like, that's what started this era of filmmaking. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's totally true. It wouldn't have happened. It wouldn't have existed. And actually, speaking a little bit more about... Um, you know the X Men. The X Men franchise. Uh, we're actually going to be doing on the Action Guys, which is our other show we do over on Collider. Uh, the definitive ranking of all X Men movies. We're going to be filming that later today. Now, oh, we, sweet. Andrew is clash casting. That's why he's not here. But um, I will be doing it with Mark Riley, who's uh, my co. He's my teammate on uh, Who's the Boss right now in the movie trivia showdown. Okay, okay. So we're going to be doing that. Sounds I, like a betrayal. Yeah. <laughs> Get off the show. <laughs> there's, there's, there's a. There's like I haven't totally decided yet. I know I talked to you about this at the office last week. If I want to do the ranking with or without the Deadpool and Wolverine movies, I think we're going to do it without because I don't really want to get into the, that full conversation. Cause oh, it's interesting. Harder. I think that's more – I would include – I think it's a disservice to the franchise and do what you want, I guess. I'm not yeah. going to be there. But, like, the X-Men franchise in general has, like, a 75% good rate, right? Like, right, if, There's only, like, four bad movies, right? But, yeah, it's just the four bad ones are all X-Men movies. Other than Wolverine Origins. Like, there's three bad X-Men movies and one Wolverine Origins movie. And then, like, the Wolverine is the, like, straight mediocre. That movie, I I don't know if I've ever... I can't almost think of a movie that has been described by more people as whatever than the Wolverine. It's like, I've never seen the whole movie. I think I saw, like, a couple of the fights I think I watched once. Okay. But, like, it's that movie that I've kind of always intended to go watch. Like, it almost made it on my 100 movies on this list just because sure. it's, like, the only X-Men movie I haven't seen. I think it's worth watching from a having seen every X-Men movie perspective, but right. it's not worth watching as a movie. It's fine. I watched it on an airplane on an iPad. I only also watched Partial of uh, Apocalypse. I couldn't, Apocalypse I couldn't. is bad. It's That one I would say is worth not watching. Yeah. Versus the Wolverine getting an understanding of why it's just so medium. Yeah, I only got halfway through Apocalypse. Um, but, yeah, I guess, like, Logan... Days of Future Past, First Class, X2, X1, and the Deadpool movies are all, like, good. Pretty strong, to yeah. Like, great to, you know, amazing. So, like, then you have four bad ones and one medium on that. That's, you know, I think a relatively successful franchise. It's just, like, Fox stopped caring, partially because they knew they were selling it, and Marvel was going to take it over, I feel like, especially with this movie and New Mutants. I want to get into star profiles here. Um, there's a great article on Deadline you guys can go read this morning that actually just came out talking about the why this movie, uh, sorry, why Dark Phoenix did so badly. And uh, they break down piece by piece kind of some of the misinformation about reshoots, that mm-hmm. reshoots happen on almost every big budget movie in the genre, that right. this movie had less, as many or less reshoots than most of the successful movies, that the difference between, let's say, Solo and Rogue One is the way that the company handles information and leaks and and like adjusts information is like the difference of a successful movie and an unsuccessful movie, right. that this movie... There were so many things about this, like the trailer coming out and it being announced on the 14th and then immediately being moved to June after information about reshoots had already happened and then the merger. Like, it just... Well, there was also... I mean, like, we now know for sure, like, the director and writers have said that, like, the director was rewriting the script every single day. And right. having actors, like, Sophie Turner helped him rewrite dialogue every day on set, rewriting the script as they were filming. We know that the movie itself was supposed to end like Civil War. Right. And then, so they changed everything, and then it was supposed to end, like, Captain Marvel, and then they changed stuff after that, and then, like, at that point, you're three different entire plot lines into the movie. Well, yeah, I I would recommend reading the article, because it's it's a cool article, and it's it's, it's a lot of information, but let's get into the star profiles really quickly. James McAvoy, Michael Fassbender, and Jennifer Lawrence stand really as the stars of this movie. Uh, Each one of them kind of... What's-his-face, the bad guy? Kevin Bacon. Kevin Bacon. Would yeah, be the four. we always. I mean, we always choose two. I, I only include three here because Jennifer Lawrence was in a breakout moment. Sure. I would say it's it's McAvoy and Fassbender are the they're the yeah. star traditionally the two. Um, so McAvoy at this point had done Nomeo and Juliet in 2011, uh, The Conspirator in 2010, and The Last Station in 2009. McAvoy broke onto the scene a few years before this. He had done the movie Atonement. Was like his mm-hmm. big. That was like his big uh, Oscar nominated. Everybody ta- saw, talked about sure. it, saw it movie. And then he did Wanted right after, which is, like, his big action yeah, role. Yeah, yeah, And then he is Xavier in this movie. And that's, right. like, when his career really... Well, all three... Michael Fassbender may be less than the other two, but both him and Jennifer Lawrence. Like, Jennifer Lawrence, when she was talked about as, like, the big it new thing, she, the like, the statement was, you know, she's won an Oscar. She's in all these movies. But she's also headlining two of the largest franchises right now, X-Men and... Uh, she did Hunger Games. I mean, so we can talk about this. Yeah. So she does Winner's Bone in 2010, which is the movie she gets the Oscar nomination for. Did she um, win? No. Okay. Um, and she's good. It's a really good yeah, movie. Yeah. It's one of those like dark, like way out. Oh, in the, right. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. Like 
uh, like crazy in 2011 and the beaver in 2011, which is the weird Jodie Foster Mel Gibson movie where he, I think like doesn't talk and he's like, has a friendship with the beaver. Um, I think she's his daughter in the movie. Maybe that I can't remember. Uh, but anyway, that's 2011. Then she does this in 2011. I believe hunger games one is 2012. I think it's the next year. Okay. So Jennifer Lawrence, and then silver lining playbook the year after that, is I that think silver 2013, is 2012. 20, and I, th- yeah. and I think, um, American Hustle is 2013. Sure. Pretty sure. So she, like, you know, Jennifer Lawrence, like a lot of actors and actresses, just, she has that moment. Mm-hmm. That's what happens. And, and this character, do you like her as Mystique no. on the whole? You don't. No. I've, I've disliked her in this franchise basically since the beginning. I think she's best in Days of Future Past. Yeah. Because she's like basically a femme fatale that's going to kill somebody and yeah. she's like good at that um but i think it, overall i didn't like her in first class i think she's maybe my least favorite part in this movie and she's fine and uh, i mean she, the apocalypse and, and dark phoenix are so bad that it's hard to really staple why it's bad on her but like in in first class i think she's the worst and then she's good in days of future past I, I she's fine in this movie i think one of the things about her in this movie that i am sort of more okay with is that she's supposed to be a kid so some of her dumb behavior and like her like shoddy like just like ah like that's lame is like all right you're really young and you're figuring it out and like you're an basically an adolescent girl and i'm okay with like you being kind of annoying yeah but my issue isn't isn't annoying it's more acting capability in here sure like i think she's like i also like don't like her in a lot of the hunger games like i think she had a moment but she was a little overrated and she was really good at the dramatic parts like she's good at silver lining playbook and but that's like a specific and that's her best performance ever like I, i do really appreciate her in that movie in this, I just don't think she pulls it off correctly. She's just not your favorite. Okay, yeah. so the third star here we'll talk about is Michael Fassbender. Centurion in 2010, Jonah Hex in 2010, Jane Eyre in 2011. Now, Fassbender, early in the days of this show, was next to so like Tom Hardy and a few of these guys who, in our recasts, we would use for everything. Because mm-hmm. he's like, he's one of those actors that when you watch, it's undeniable his level of talent. Right. He's so good. He's so charismatic. He's so, like, engaging very slight guy, very like small frame, but just incredibly talented mm-hmm. and super intense. And he takes risks. He's uh, he's done a lot of really intense movies. You know that movie Shame is pretty hard to watch. Right. Um, obviously, Twelve Years a Slave. He's just the worst. Um, in just, like a good way. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. In a in a great acting, acting way. Horrible person. Character. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of a way. You know, you have him as um, uh, the android and prometheus uh, david david yeah uh, which uh, is the best part of those movies yeah. like everything else about it is dumb but then michael fassbender it's surprising how many bad like high profile movies he's in where he is just so much better than the source material that's around him he's also unreal and steve jobs he's like so, oh yeah so good in that movie but you know it's like you pair michael fassbender with Aaron Sorkin dialogue, and I'm just in. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's... <laughs> yeah, the old, I mean, I think people's collectively only complain of that movie is that it should have been a play and not a movie, right? Like, it was just... I think that movie's, like, super yeah. underrated. Like, I mean, sure. it got nominated for Best Picture, but yeah, I yeah. just think that was a better movie than people remember. Um, so that's kind of Fassbender, and I think each one of these actors has gone on to have pretty massive uh, ascensions ever since this movie. Sure. Uh, McAvoy, obviously, you know, is in all kinds of stuff. as a super movie star mm-hmm. now. You know, the split stuff with Unbreakable did, did really well for him and, and Glass... Um, you know, Fastbender. You wonder is Fastbender going to end up now that he's not Magneto anymore? So he's not in X Men movies anymore. He'll get cast in some other franchise probably, but without the X Men franchise, will he be taking the kind of roles that put him on like the household name radar? And I don't know. He seems like the kind of actor that won't. I think he'll probably take a break from big franchise movies, but then something will come his way. I mean, like look at. Yeah, I, I think there's, like, a ton of stuff in the future that is definitely available to him. Maybe a villain or something in an MCU movie. Sure, right. Or, like, yeah, I think there's something, but we'll see. Just bring him back as Magneto? I, yeah, <laughs> I would take that. Would you, would you, though? Like, so, like, that gets us into our next part of the show here, guys, which is we're, we're going to talk about buying or selling. So the question that I have to ask for today on the show, and I would love for you guys in the chat to sound off on this as well, you know, are you buying or selling the X-Men in the MCU, first of all? And the second part of the question is, are you buying or selling the Dark Phoenix storyline as a storyline you want to see in an X-Men movie? Because it's all—it's often gone back to as the best X-Men storyline. People love it. It's from the cartoon. People love it. From the comics, people love it. They've tried it twice now in the movies. Mm-hmm. In terms of being epic, I don't think that Marvel would be daft enough to try to do it again in the next 10 years. But maybe. What so, do you think? Are you buying or selling? So... You know, a lot of complaints for Dark Phoenix has been you need to do you need to build up to the Dark Phoenix saga, right? Like the Dark Phoenix saga is the second half of a trilogy of movies that are like leading up to it where she like starts out, you introduce her, she gets the superpower, and then she's evil. 
the thing is, is that they did that in the first X-Men trilogy, right? Like, that's what that was. X2 was about her having those powers, and then she sacrifices herself and then becomes Dark Phoenix in the right. next movie and then is evil. The problem is they, they got Brett Ratner directed and did all the things that happens with Fox directing a movie, and so that's... The Brett Ratner Brian Singer trilogy is not a good look. <laughs> um, but then... So, like, if that didn't do it, then, even though they've learned their lesson, I don't think anyone needs a Dark Phoenix saga. I think there's so many other good X-Men, like, right. stories to tell. Like, I'm super excited for the X-Men to be back. Um, I'd love to see maybe, like, the original class, like, the actual comic. And that's, I think, what they'll do is go back to, like, the Iceman, Angel, Beast, right. Jean Grey, Cyclops start and then build off of that. Mar- Marvel Girl, as she was called back then, I think, right? Yeah, and that way you don't have to, like, start with the Wolverine. You don't start with a Storm. You don't start with these characters that people, like, already associate so strongly. Your, your post credit scene is Wolverine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, where you, like, or you show Weapon X program at yeah, the end yeah, of it. Yeah. And then... Because if they did Weapon X right, like, I've always wanted them to do that properly. I think X2 did it pretty good. It just... Kind of. They, okay. So but you, Brian Cox. I love the... X2. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> There's so many things about X2 I love. Sure. But, like, I think X, I think Weapon X as a story done, like, it, with the quality of, like, a Russo Brothers MCU take sure. would be super compelling. To yeah, watch. yeah. And I think there's parts of it in X2, but it's not really just about that. Sure. Yeah. What, what what I think, what, the story I'd want to see is kind of a reverse House of M. I think that's how you bring the, 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 x-men into the marvel universe is so house of m if you don't know what it is is uh, scarlet witch says the words no more mutants and right. so like 99.9 percent of them all are no longer mutants anymore they lose their powers so from, it's yeah, like this it's from big, like mid, mid to late 2000s yeah like i think it's like 2005 yeah um and right. then but you know right now we have scarlet witch she's a main character in the storyline and so i think it'd be very easy to have her just do the reverse being right. like we need help or whatever and then just people now start awakening as mutants and it's yeah. like a whole event or the the one that a lot of people are talking about is that like anyone that was snapped now has like coming back has a potential to have powers oh, or cool, both yeah. one iron man or the hulk snapped they like it added give the human race the ability to protect themselves from future threats okay. of this level or something along those That's lines cool. yeah, yeah. and if that was because like we know that the hulk by Kevin Feige, did something more than just bring everyone back to life immediately because he brought them back to life safe. Like, they've confirmed that he didn't just, like, if you were in an airplane and got snapped, you weren't brought back to life 3,000 feet in the air and then dropped to your death. Like, he, like, is... they he The joke was, well, he's a smart hawk, so he he did it smartly. So, like, they could do additional things with that ability. So, first question. So, it sounds like you're selling a Dark Phoenix. You don't want to see that in the MCU. Are you buying X-Men in the MCU? Absolutely. I'm also buying X-Men in the MCU. And I'm also buying the Dark Phoenix in the MCU. And oh, you think I'm, they can do it again? I So, I think the MCU, contrary to popular belief, is actually a franchise, like, is a 40-year franchise. I don't think that we have to worry about this being, like, it's going to burn out in six more years. Sure. I actually think that there's a way for them to keep going with it and eventually find ways to just reboot it if they need to. Like, whatever it is, I think as a brand, the MCU is a thing that will be kept alive by smart people and mm-hmm. done for a very long time. This first run of X-Men... You could have it. You could have Dark Phoenix in ten years as the sixth movie. You don't even have to call it Dark Phoenix. It can just be the storyline of the third X Men movie, right? Or the fifth or sixth X Men movie. Like it's a great storyline, and Jean Grey is one of the great characters, and it's her best storyline. Right. Um, I'm not saying it's the only thing they need to do, but I would have patience for them to try it because I, th- I think creatively, I believe in what the MCU is capable. If I were, if I was, to, if if Dark Phoenix were to come back, it would to me need to be the third or fourth big bad. Right. So Thanos being the big bad that just happened, Doctor Doom or something else being the next one. I think there's rumors that Norman Osborn is going to be the next big kind of motivating bad guy. Yeah. Um, I do think, like, the Fantastic Four need to come back. Like, I think that's a bigger franchise that I want to see return to. Like, because they've never been done well, right? Like, I've had good X-Men movies. We just talked about the best ones. We've never gotten a good Fantastic Four movie. I think that's the one that the MCU is going to bring in first and is more excited to bring back. But I think they'll slow roll the mutants thing where mutants will just start showing up. Yeah, I mean, I think the fact just just Fantastic Four and X-Men together collectively mm-hmm. make the next 10 years of the MCU really interesting. Yeah. You know, like, that's enough. Well, they now have all the good characters back. Right? Yeah. Is there a sing- the only thing they can't do is Paramount still owns the distribution rights to a Hulk movie. So they can't make just the Hulk. So he'll just be with other people. And I don't need that right now. We've had a lot of good Hulk in the last few years. Yeah. Like, Ragnarok's, like, the best Hulk there right. is. 
Um, so, all right, guys, that's uh, those are our answers to buying or selling. I'd love to know what you guys think in the chat here. Let's see if anybody's uh, on board. Let's see here. Jenna James, you have to break it up like the Fox Kid series. They broke up Phoenix to four and five episodes, then did Dark Phoenix Saga for another four or five episodes. That's cool. Um, Jonas Tiger, Feige will probably sprinkle in X-Men in the MCU. Um, Haskell 420, buy Dark Phoenix, but only if it's a trilogy. We've tried that. I don't know. Um, Cell doing the Phoenix storyline says, uh, anytime soon, says Wolf Fish Willow. All right, guys, thanks for sharing your thoughts here. Let's uh, continue through well, the show. The, yeah. the, the way they do the, the thing that, like, they have to lean into, the, I guess, the trilogy, where the first one is she sacrifices herself, and then post credit scenes, you see her coming back. Second movie, she's back, and she, everyone's like, oh, crap, she's a god. What are we going to do? And then yeah. she goes evil, and then the third one is defeating her. I just still, I also think that's still, like, just problematic. So Singer, who actually had gotten involved with X-Men and X2 and you know, directed those films, got involved with this project in 2009, um, he could only produce and co-write First Class due to his work on other projects. I think I'm happy that Matthew Vaughn came in. It does have a distinctly different feel. Uh, I would be fine with Brian Singer never working again. So yeah, the less movie he's directed, the better. I mean, in retrospect, I'm saying <laughs> yeah. creatively, because he did make good X-Men movies. Sure. I, Not- guess, I guess from a creative perspective... Them, him leaving is why X3 was so bad, right? Like, Brett Ratner taking over that franchise so he could do, yeah. go do the mediocre Superman movie. Like, both is why we didn't get Cyclops in that movie, which is like, you can't do Dark Phoenix without Cyclops. Right, That's the right. point. At least Dark Phoenix got that. He kills Cyclops, like, 30 minutes in the movie? Is that right? Less, yeah. And he doesn't even... She, he just, like, off-camera dies. He, like, evaporates, isn't it? You just know. You see his, like, veins start bulging, and then the camera goes away, and you hear a scream, and then we never see him again. That's right. And, and she evaporates Professor X. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's so bad. I saw the movie in theaters. I haven't seen it since. Um, I don't think I've not seen an X Men movie in theaters. I really? think I've seen every single one. Yeah, I think I've missed a couple in theaters because I stopped caring as much. Maybe Wolverine Origins. I can't remember if I, I saw that or DVD. That was a bad one. Yeah. Yeah, but it has huge. Big fan of him. Um, so, uh, all right, we're going to continue moving through the show here. This movie started uh, filming in 2010, concluded in December. Initial filming completed in April 2011. Uh, this was filmed in Oxford, the Mojave Desert, and Georgia, with sound stages at both in Pineland Studios and the 20th Century Fox stages in Los Angeles. Uh, the depiction of the 1960s drew inspiration from the James Bond films of that period. That makes sense. You can see it, especially in a lot of the style worn by like Magneto, like his like leather jacket and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Well, like everything that Kevin Bacon's doing is basically a James Bond movie. The like the Ascot tie. He has like a submarine. <laughs> evil submarine base yeah 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 um yeah I, I mean we haven't even talked really about kevin bacon but we will get there just a little bit just a couple of notes on uh, matthew vaughn the director and co-writer so uh vaughn originally came up doing the film lair cake in 2004 now lair cake is uh like a english crime thing mm-hmm. um it's really actually just famous because when my daniel craig was cast as james bond most people were like what's he from and the movie that he had most recently done that was like a crime movie was mm-hmm. Lair Cake. Uh, he had obviously been in other movies. You know, he's in he's in Munich, I think, right around the same time. And he's also in Road to Perdition. But specifically, he was in Lair Cake like the year before. Is Road to Perdition really before the James Bond with Daniel Craig in it? Yes, 2002. That's fascinating. Okay, continue. He's great. He's like a total dickhead. Um, do you remember that movie, Roel? Wrote about, I didn't. I didn't finish it. I started the first half on an airplane, and then the airplane landed, and I was like, "Well, I guess I'm not watching this movie ever again." <laughs> Love that movie. Um, but so that's uh, that's his first movie, Lair Cake, in 2004. Then he did the movie Stardust in 2007, which I've never seen. Have you seen really? Stardust? I've seen Stardust. It was disappointing. Unsurprising. Everyone was like, "I wanted this movie to be Princess Bride," and yeah. it ended up just not being that good. But that's uh, where uh, uh, what's his face also came from. Uh, uh, Brian Cox, not Brian Cox. Henry Cavill. Uh, no, the Jamie, guy. Jamie Bell. The Daredevil. Oh, Charlie Cox. Charlie Cox. That's right. I knew it was a Cox. <laughs> um, so, uh, and then his next movie was in, what he did, sorry, I'm in front of me here, uh, Kick-Ass. That's, that's the breakout yeah, superhero yeah, yeah. movie that he does in 2010, and then he does this in 2011, uh, and then he does the Kingsman movies. And then um, he is now producing, and then he like has produced and co-written on movies like the 2015 Fantastic Four, Eddie the Eagle, Rocket Man. He's obviously very close to Sarah Edgerton because of the Kingsman films, and he has another Kingsman movie coming out, which... Yeah. I mean, I actually really like both Kingsman movies a lot. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think either one of them is amazing, but I, I enjoy them both. I loved the first one. I think I saw the first one, like, twice in theaters. Yeah. Uh, I think it was, like, cool and special and something different. I think the second one wasn't as good. I, I just, they're both, like, good. It's funny. I actually just think that his style of movie making, there's, like, something about it that's, like, doesn't feel as... Crisp? 
Yeah, or it's too, like, comic book slick like, for me. Or maybe it's too crisp. Like, you need more grit in it than it has. Yeah, it's, like, missing some element. Mm-hmm. Like, when I think about the way that, like, watching certain parts of, like, a Nolan movie make me feel. Right. There's, like, a level of reality and grittiness and coolness to it that, like, there's a campiness almost or a comic bookiness right. to his movies. Well, that's what someone mentioned, and I think, in the feed, and you mentioned, brought it out earlier, how, like, the first movie feels like it almost fits in the MCU. Like, yeah. this movie that we're talking about. And, and I think First Class, like, if this was in... Like phase one, we're like right between right. or like the Avengers and totally. uh, like when it came out. I think is that time period. It would have been like great. Then the the, the X Men have started from the franchise. They're moving into it. Uh, right. It's interesting. They're not involved with some of the big stuff. That's something true about comic books in general. X Men always feel weird in the Avengers universe, right? Because the X Men's main storyline is it's meant to be kind of a metaphor for the gay rights movement or the, right. the civil rights movement, and you have. People being like, oh, man, mutants are the worst. I hate them. I'm racist against mutants. Right. But Captain America's my dude. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) So it's like, how does the hatred towards mutants exist in a world that they're totally accepting of the superheroes? Like Hulk. Like, they're just like, right. Yeah, we love the Avengers, but the X, yeah, right. So, like, that's that's the weird um, side of this universe where X-Men kind of always feels like it should be separated. Like, that's why I kind of was fine with Fox doing it while they were making good ones. I think that the reason is, be, or at least this is sort of the way that that theory is justified in the storytelling aspect, is that, like, there aren't a bunch of Avengers that can, like, that have four eyes or, like, six fingers. That, sure. Like, that's their power. Like, there's a ton of mutants in the world, that in this world they show you, where they're described as freaks because, like, you have to have a mutation of a significant level for it to be. Well, you, you, like, have, you have you have the the nightcrawlers and the mystiques and the beasts where they like look physically right uh, different. I, I guess the other side of it is most of the Avengers, other than the ones that are mutants, um, are man made. Yeah, like it's man made these things, so it's like our defense yeah. against the mutants is sometimes I, I've seen it play. And like some of the best comic books are the Avengers versus. The X-Men. Yeah, like, right. I think the Ultimate Universe had a really good one, which was Ultimates vs. X-Men, and it's, like, a four-part issue, and, like, you have Storm go up against Thor, and that's, like, just dope, because they're lightninging everything. Yeah. Um, all right, we are going to continue moving through here to Critical and Box Office. This was released by Fox on a $160 million budget. That's actually really interesting. This, I mean, it's hard to make a superhero movie without a giant budget, but $160 million for 2011 is quite a bit of money. That's... You're starting to get into that, like, north of $150, $200 million range, mm-hmm. which feels like something they do now a lot, but... This is almost 10 years ago. I didn't feel like it was as common back then. I mean, X-Men movies were still making money, right? Like, I mean, the X, the first three movies all had, I mean, other than maybe the first one had huge budgets. Like, yeah. I think Last Stand was the most expensive movie or on top in that level at the time of being made. <laughs> Good decision. Um, <laughs> it, uh, it opened on June 3rd, 2011, with a domestic take of $146.4 million, 207.2 foreign for a total gross of $353.6 million. It's funny, like, 353.6 is like... Fine. You compare that to like what movies make now at the high level. Right. It's like a third of what like a really good opening is. Yeah, yeah. It's well, crazy. I mean, it's like 40, 40 million profit, right? Because you like double the budget and then that, yeah. and you subtract everything else. So And damn marketing. So it actually didn't do that well. Just that okay. So, uh, all right, guys, we are going to continue moving through here into critical. So the IMDb uh, lists this at 7.7, 7, which feels about right. I think this movie's a little less good than that. I think I would probably give this more like a 7.4 or 7.3. Uh, but 7.7 is fine. I think like if, if you're equating that to a 77%. Well, so so what 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 would you give the best? What would you give Logan? Like a it's like a 9.6 okay. so or something. People have this movie above Logan in their ratings which of is the ex- X-Men which, movies. Which is it's just wrong. I agree yeah. with you that they are objectively incorrect, but with that in mind, there's enough of an audience out for this type of movie. I think a 7.7 feels about right to me. No, it feels like we're, I mean, 7.7 feels pretty close to accurate. On the flip side of it, though, Rotten Tomatoes, the uh, the critic score has this at 86%. The top critics have it at 87%. Right. Which well, are, that's that's pretty high. Now, granted, I know that that score is based on positive or negative. And that's yeah, it's really a pass-fail, right? right? Yeah, so right, it's right. it's not like... A pat for a movie to be out in theaters and have people want to go see it and enjoy it, it's a pass. So I think that's yeah. If I watch this movie as a critic, like I yeah. am now, I would give this movie a thumbs up. So yeah. I, would, I would contribute to this positive scores. Right. Um, so we are going to get into the next part of the show here. This is going to be favorite line. Uh, your favorite line from the film. Uh, I'm going to continue our loss of our PG-13 rating as a podcast and say that the moment that this movie became a PG-13 and Wolverine being introduced and saying just fuck you and then yeah. kicking them out. 
It's pretty good. The Wolverine cameo is definitely. I think it, I have it here. The actual it's, I line. For, yeah, it's I it's uh, Eric Lencher. Excuse me, I'm Eric Lencher, and I'm Charles Xavier. Go fuck yourself. And yeah. then he like well, puts a cigar down and walks off. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, I think that's my uh, single line. I think the best. I think probably my favorite line in this movie is. I think I mentioned it earlier. I like I that scene where you know that she's going his mom uh sorry when Magneto's mom is going to die mm-hmm. and you know she's going to die and she's looking at him and she's saying like it's going to be okay. Uh that exchange, I think when she says that to him because that feels like a line that happens in non-superhero movies in those moments when like it's just a really horrible death sure. is going to happen and like a parent is trying to comfort like a child when they know it's not going to be okay and they say that. And I think what I like about it in that moment is that you know exactly what's coming, and you also know that the consequences are going to be so much more severe than they would ever be in real life. Because, mm-hmm. like, you know who he becomes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He becomes like a super crazy murderer villain. It's because, like, you say it doesn't happen in other superhero movies, but the one movie I'm thinking of right now where the exact same scene happens is Rachel Dawes or Dawson or her last name Dawes. Dawes. Yeah, yeah. It's okay, it's a Batman. It's okay, it's okay Harvey, and then explodes. It's like the same exact scene. And does the same thing. It creates a monster out of that. It's just he yeah. Dies there's no the movie. superheroes in that movie. You have a guy in a suit. I mean, like these superheroes, but not like. Are you making the statement that Batman is not a superhero? You know exactly what I'm Internet? saying. Yeah. <laughs> you know exactly. What I'm saying. <laughs> um, so anyway, all right, guys, sound off with your favorite lines. Anybody in here that uh, has anything to share? We're going to get into the last bits of the show. We have one more game to play today, and that is going to be Young versus Old. Which X Men cast do you prefer? Let's go down the line with some of our favorites. Oh, so we're doing individual cast members, not overall? I think we'll go with, yeah, like, we'll okay. take, like, five of them. Okay. Uh, let's start first with uh, Hank McCoy. So you got uh, Kelsey Grammer versus Nicholas Holt. I think you go with Kelsey Grammer. You like Kelsey Grammer? I think, like, he is in a worse movie. Way worse. Debatable, though, because he's not, like, Apocalypse is worse than Last Stand, and Hank McCoy is in both of those. So, like... Technically, yeah, I got like, Kelsey Grimmer is one of the better casting choices, period, in these franchises. As a beast, you like him? I like Nick Holt a lot. He's one of my favorite I, parts. I love Nick Holt, and I think he does a good job with the role. I, and, like, if Kelsey Grimmer wasn't the beast in the other one, I would agree with you. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of uh, <laughs> Jenna James uh, rolling her eyes at my answer. All right, fair enough. That's, uh, that's got to be the Batman thing there. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, all right, let's, uh, let's move on to Rebecca Romaine Stamos versus Jennifer Lawrence's Mystique. I guess Jennifer Lawrence. I don't like you. I mean, Rebecca Romaine Stamos is cooler. Yeah, I would go. I would go Stamos. Me too. Yeah, she was more affecting. I, I feel like at, at the time that Stamos was in that movie, you like needed her to. You needed her to be awesome because like you right. needed all the angles to work. By the time this movie happened, I don't actually think it matters if she's very good because you just the main two are the only people that need to be really awesome in this. All the rest of the cast, of this could have sucked. And as long as you have a good Xavier and a good Magneto. The movie's still pretty good. I think. I think the problem is that it, they use her powers in a cooler way because Mystique's power suite leads itself better to being a bad guy, right? Like being like infiltrating and assassinating people and like all that stuff, and that's not what a good guy does. So in the X Men movie, so much of it is more about like questioning what her identity is, hmm. and uh, yeah, and I don't, yeah. Okay, um, Famke Janssen Johnson versus uh, Sophie Turner. Famke. Fam, give me too. Yeah. yeah, I'm not a big Sophie Turner fan. <laughs> I, I like Sophie Turner. I think she's getting better as an actress every single thing she's in. She was yeah. actually one of the best parts, I think, of Game of Thrones season eight. Yeah. Um, but I think that, which you haven't seen, so I won't spoil anything. Uh, neither do you chat. I see you trying to spoil Game I, of Thrones. The I Ben. Think she's fine as yeah, an yeah. actress. Just particularly as Jean Grey, I don't like her. Yeah, I think Vamp Key's better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and I don't know necessarily, like, I, I'm excited to see who the next Jean Grey is or yeah. not to get a Jean Grey. Jean Grey is not my favorite character. I like. Hmm. Of the X Men characters, I wouldn't put her on the one. They're like, I need her to be in the franchise. Uh, all right, um, we're gonna go uh, January Jones as Emma Frost, White Queen versus literally any other character in any X Men movie. Any other character? I mean, there's characters <laughs> I like. <laughs> I think she's she might be the worst cast, worst performance mm-hmm. piece of the entire thing. Period. Like okay. maybe the version of Deadpool where his mouth is shut and he doesn't talk. Is worse. Yeah, but he's really good before that moment. <laughs> like in X Men Origins, the best part is, is Ryan Reynolds. and Ryan Reynolds before that happens yeah. to him. So yeah, she's terrible. She's it's really it's crazy how bad she is. There's worse though. Uh, uh, Apocalypse is worse. <laughs> Oscar Isaac. Yeah, oh. and I like Oscar Isaac and everything else. It's just like, and it's not his fault, but he's worse. <laughs> I am Apocalypse. Um, all right. Yeah. Sweet. We got some people in the chat. Here. Uh, I want Nightcrawler versus Nightcrawler. Okay, so you got um, Alan Cumming yeah. versus uh, this kid who's the in the kid. new one. Yeah. 
I like Alan Cumming. I think Alan the Nightcrawler scene in X two is top two openings yeah, in yeah. all comic one, book one history. One of the coolest for sure. Like I think I did a poll the other week in between the two, and it was that or the Dark Knight bank heist. Yeah, and I think the Nightcrawler scene is a better superhero opening because the bank heist could be in any action movie. Um, all right, so, okay. The last two. These are the big. Yeah. These are the big two. Unless I'm forgetting a super super relevant other one. Uh, that's in Origins. I don't think you are because uh, Cyclops isn't in both. All right. So yeah, or you can you could go young Cyclops, old Cyclops, but I think we probably both go old actually, old Cyclops. Yeah, you don't like Ty Sheridan. I like Ty Sheridan actually. I think he's pretty good as Cyclops. Well, some casting directors decide that Ty Sheridan looks great in a visor, which right. is fascinating. Uh, second off, uh, he looks like Andy Samberg the, in the as boom, Cyclops in the boombox. <laughs> yeah, <video>. everything <laughs> got out of control. <laughs> so like. Uh, I, I think I love James Marston. Like I, I, I like in anything I've seen him in, I haven't disliked him, even in the bad Superman movie. But or Superman movie, so like I'm just all on board there. Uh, one of my favorite things is because we live in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Inevitably, you know somebody who knows the guy. Sure. So I, my favorite thing is when you talk to people who know people and they abbreviate their first name, like on oh. a first name basis. So I know somebody who knows him who calls him Jimmy Marston, which, <laughs> <laughs> which is like my favorite thing. We, yeah, we, yeah. we try to employ as many of those on the show as we can. So like Lawrence Fishburne is Larry Fishburne. Okay. Uh, yeah, okay. Those are my favorite. Um, I think I would probably also go Marston, though I like Ty Sheridan, actually. He's talented. Uh, I liked him a lot more in Phoenix than I liked him in, in Apocalypse. Um, yes, he's better in Phoenix. He's not in Apocalypse. He's actually probably good in Phoenix. Yeah. Like, uh, there are a few... That's So So walking out of both this and Apocalypse, both yeah. movies, I was like... And one of the reasons I'm, like, buying it in the MCU is both ones of them. Like, I'm glad I saw this in theaters because I love X-Men characters, and I right. wish I saw them on more adventures in live action. I just hated both movies. It's fair. Like, in this one, Cyclops did a good job. I will, obviously, Magneto did an amazing job. Even What's-His-Face did a good job, even though he did... His character arc was dead. Um, Professor Xavier. McAvoy. McAvoy. Um, all right, only last couple things here, guys. We're going to wrap up pretty soon. So, the last two. McAvoy versus... McAvoy versus P- Patrick Stewart. Patrick Stewart. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I, he's one of my favorites. Because like McAvoy does a good job, but Patrick Stewart... Might be my top four casting of a character in a superhero movie, if not a movie based on an adaptation of all time. When he's like first talking to Wolverine in the first X Men mm-hmm. movie, you're just like, this is so good. Yeah, it's just like perfect. Or like all the scenes with him and 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 Eric Lencher, like just yeah. them playing chess and just like yeah, I can watch. It's great. Yeah, he's really good. Um, the hardest one. This is the yeah. most difficult. And guys in the chat, I want to know what you guys think. Michael Fassbender or Ian McKellen as Magneto? Who does it for you? I'm going to go with Ian McKellen. I'm going to go Fassbender. I'm, I'm glad we're disagreeing. <laughs> yeah, I go I go Fassbender. I, I, McKellen's amazing, yeah. and, he, and he's great. Uh, and it's cool that you get... They occupy very different spaces. Mm-hmm. I like that he's like the older, seasoned... I would not get rid of either of them, though. Like, I, I'm glad... One of the reasons I like Days of Future Past is you get both, right? Yeah. Like, and there's good versions of both of these characters from both universes. And yeah, Michael Fassbender's great. Uh, I'm not yeah. discounting it. Eric, like... Magneto in the first X-Men movies is my Magneto, though, is the Magneto that most people are used to, because he's supposed to be the older character. Right. Like, you only get later on flashbacks of young Magneto and what his life was right, like. Right. In comic books, he is old. He's the older Magneto. Um, same yeah. as Professor Xavier. And so, like, Michael, yeah. And All they're right. both so good. That's hard. Let's see. I'm Gandalf gonna... the Grey is, as Magneto is so dope, though. We did a watch-along <laughs> on the Patreon last night okay. of, of uh, Lord of the Rings Fellowship. Sure. Uh, and a lot of Gandalf impressions. He's such a good actor. Oh, he's so good. <laughs> and him as Gandalf, it, we're going to do it on the show in two weeks, actually, okay. we're covering that movie. But um, just like when Frodo has the scene with him where he's like, I wish the ring had never come to me. I wish none of that ever happened. Yeah. And he's like, nobody nobody wishes those things in these times, but it's about doing what you, ha- doing what you can with the time you have or something like that. Mm-hmm. He's just unbelievable. Yeah, no, I mean... Ian McKellen might be one of the greatest actors of all time. Yeah, it's a shame he'll probably never win an Oscar. Um, AJ Lancaster, Fastbender, Jenna James, Fastbender. You got uh, Skunk Ape, uh, Fastbender, Will McLean, Fastbender, Easy. Infection can't pick. James Spence, Fastbender. Jonas Tiger, McKellen. Vojislav Medic, McKellen, barely. All right, you got. There's a lot. There's a lot of votes in here. I'd say Fastbender is the winner on the whole. But there's some like, recency bias there too. Yeah, yeah. Skunk Ape, both McKellen and Fastbender, awesome. I love them both. I think uh, that might be why Days of Future Past. Like they, uh, excluding the spinoffs, Days yeah. of Future Past is my favorite X Men movie. I, I have think. to go back and watch it again. I saw it in yeah. theaters. I liked it a lot. So, um, all right, guys, we only have one or two things left. We have, I think, an AMA question that I can pull up here really quickly. I have a question for you. Yes. Uh, before we get past the movie, hmm. comic books or movies, favorite X Men character? 
comic books or movies. Like just who's your favorite X? If you could have a movie about an X Men character, have a, have them more featured in a movie than they currently have. You're been, not or... saying my favorite iteration of any character in any media. No, no, your favorite X Men character as a comic book nerd and movie nerd. It could be um, both. I mean, I think historically, I only liked Wolverine in the cartoon and comic books. Some I ended up liking him more as Hugh Jackman. Sure, uh, like he just had more depth and was more interesting. I, I mean, I'm going to jump your question and, and just say because of Logan, he's my favorite ever. Okay, uh, that's the just reason. Wolverine in Logan, like, sure. he, like I think I think Hugh Jackman's Wolverine sold me on the character of Wolverine way more than comic uh, book. Yeah, because if, if I think back to old like X Men characters, like when you were like in high school, what was your favorite X Men character? Uh, like you know, we all had like Marvel cards and stuff. Sure. So you know, I mean, I, def- I definitely liked uh, you know like a lot of those characters, Banshee or Havoc, Cable, like mm-hmm. Deadpool. A lot of those characters that were really awesome. I was never as big of an X Men guy though. Sure. I okay. liked the X Men. Like I think Wolverine though is the easy answer. Okay. Yeah, how about you? Uh, Iceman. Iceman. Bobby yeah. Tra- Bobby Drake. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, well, A is like Omega. Whatever. He can blow stuff up. I think I related as a kid because he's like the most powerful of them. Right. But also the laziest, so it doesn't take advantage right. of that fact, and I appreciated that and sympathized. <laughs> I prefer Frozone. That's fair. From the Incredibles. Yeah. Yeah. Who uh, doesn't love Frozone? <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's probably right. my favorite Incredible. <laughs> uh, Austin Loverin has an AMA question, uh, which you can submit your AMA questions, guys. If you go follow Action Industries on Instagram, we put up like a question, like a poll of some kind every single week in the story. Mm-hmm. And if you then respond with your answer, we select one person to ask their question on the show. This week it is Austin Loverin. His question is, are Fassbender and Ian McKellen the best duo to play the same character? If not, Who? I don't know if I can think of another duo that's, like, memorable that plays the same character. Batman. I mean, uh, Heath Ledger and, and uh, um, Jack Nicholson. But, and like, duo to play the same character. Like, two people. To have played the same character. Yeah. I mean. So you're thinking, like, like Michael Keaton and Jack, Jack Nicholson, Nicholson versus Christian Bale and Well, no, I'm saying, I'm saying. No, no, I'm, I don't think you, oh he's saying between Professor Xavier and Magneto both versions. I think he's saying like two people that then also played the same characters in like another iteration of the movie, like older version or something like that. Well, I was thinking prequel sort just of just like a yeah okay. I mean, are there like Qui Gon? Uh, Qui Gon's not a you know. Uh, Uma McGregor and and uh, oh, I always forget Obi Wan's real name. Who's old Obi Wan? I haven't seen like Alec any Guinness? Alec Guinness. Alec Guinness and Owen McGregor is pretty good. I mean, that's a really good one. I love the two of them together. If we're going single characters, Austin, then I think that's probably the one that comes to mind because it's younger, older. Assuming it has to be the same franchise, I guess, because, like, the Batmans are different franchises, so, like, same universe. Right. Um, Yeah, that's probably the best of the Star Wars ones. None of the other ones are good. R2-D2 and R2-D2. Just... It's fair. It's Young fair. one has jetpacks. Old one is sassier. <laughs> um, all right, guys. That's going to wrap up the AMA question for the week. Uh, be sure to th- share your thoughts and follow along all the different places. Coming up this week really quickly on the uh, Facebook group, the Patreon here for Action Industries. We've got a bunch of cool stuff. we got a stream today at 5. we got one on Wednesday at 9.30 p.m. and another on Thursday at 2 p.m. Be sure to tune into those live. We get all kinds of fun stuff. Uh, there's a ton of you that upgraded to the captain level on the Patreon this last week because of those sweet coins. Should I stand on a chair? Um, Captain? Oh, Captain, my captain? Yeah. Yeah, I love that movie. Uh, I would break this. I way too much. <laughs> and we wanted to find a way to reward a lot of you guys at that level, uh, aside from just getting the coins. So we're going to probably announce it this week on the stream, some really cool perks for uh, people at the $10 and the $25 tier. So stay tuned for that. Be sure to turn into the stream today at 5 o'clock. That is uh, YouTube.com slash Action Industries to get some of that stuff. Uh, and I think we are going to be doing a behind-the-scenes Patreon reaction to the family versus Inky and the Brain Schmodan match as well, Andrew's most recent match. There are three action movie categories. Totally ridiculous. Totally legitimate and ridiculously legitimate. They explain themselves. You've been on the show enough times to know. Is this movie totally ridiculous, totally legitimate, or ridiculously legitimate? I'm going to go with ridiculously legitimate. You like the middle category on this uh, one. Yeah, because there's like a lot of like poppy superhero stuff, which is one of the reasons it's good, but it's still like poppy. They like And they do like the montage where they're like sitting in the strip club and like right. smoking cigars and drinking right. scotch and like there's all that stuff. And then... But at the same time, it's, like, dealing with the Cuban Missile Crisis and trying to take, like, a real look at, like, what mutants would be like. So it's, like, weirdly in the middle. That's fair. Um, 
Yeah, I think it's got to be the middle category. I it's, don't think it's it's not totally ridiculous, right? No, it's definitely not. not. Yeah, it yeah, does yeah. make you laugh unintentionally a lot, but it has some silly stuff, and and it's not totally legitimate. It's it definitely feels. It's sillier. not like a serious movie trying to show a serious story, and it's not a and it has insane story. No, and there's stuff that it hasn't earned yet with these characters, where like it, it just some some of the some of the beats in this movie are like this is beats in a superhero movie that I need to hit. Like, this right. is not Mastercraft. This right. is like, these parts of it are great, and these parts of it are okay, and this stuff's kind of forgettable, and like, that, that is one of the reasons I'm excited about the MCU taking this franchise, is like, what they did with Spider-Man, yeah. and Spider-Man Homecoming and Civil War, where they like, led into it slowly. Totally. You feel it's earned. They don't deal with the origin stuff that we've seen a thousand times over, and I think the MCU is better at not like, assuming the audience knows shit. Right. Like, I don't, like, here I feel like they're lazy with some of their, especially in the later ones, they're lazy with their character development because like everyone already cares about phoenix right we don't need to really establish why cyclops and jean gray are in love with each other they're just in love and we don't have to realize that but then when she dies and all this stuff happens you know you like don't care for sure um guys there's only one last thing left to talk about on the show here and that's called the pitch normally was i I supposed to do that also yeah but you didn't know that Um, i could have one Two, three, the pit. You made nice. me do it by myself. Yeah, that was cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's rough. <laughs> um, all right, guys. Next week we're going to be covering Toy Story One on the show. Toy Story Four releases this week. I'll be going to see it at a screening this Wednesday. So be sure to tune in to uh, one of the streams. I don't think I can talk about it on my Wednesday stream at nine thirty. I don't think the embargo will have dropped. But if it has, then I'm definitely going to review it on the stream at nine thirty on mm-hmm. Wednesday. It's possible that it has. I'm not sure. Um, that is next week on the show. Toy Story One. Alex Kessler. Thanks for coming by. Yep. Thanks for joining. A big shout out to the generals and the. Action Army, Andrew Hayes, Paul Denuso, Billy Bedford, Billy Belford, John Getz, Jonathan Peck, and John Patterson. We salute you. Be sure to check out Lovems, Drop.Lovems by Kess. They are at Walmart right now. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching, guys. We'll see you same time, same place, next week. Bye, everybody. From producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network.